This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes to turkey hunting, sometimes fixing mistakes can do more for your success than anything else. On this episode, I'm going to talk about seven different ways that you can break bad habits to become more effective in the woods. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and today we're talking about seven turkey hunting bad habits. But first, guys, let me remind you about the YouTube channel. I know I mention it at the beginning of every episode, but it really is a resource. I'm able to show things, to test things, to review things and demonstrate things on the YouTube channel that just means little in words. So I use that as a tool. The YouTube channel does not replace the podcast by any means. It complements it. So the things that I talk about here, whether it's turkey hunting or any other kind of hunting, I use the YouTube channel to add topics, to add illustrations and visuals and experiments and tests and things that are just easier to show in video than to talk about. I don't just take the podcast episodes and shoot those as videos or vice versa. I use the YouTube channel as an additional piece of the new Hunter's Guide universe to show things in video that you just can't you can't get across well uh, with spoken word or audio. And if you guys have ideas or questions for new podcast episodes or new videos on YouTube, by all means, let me know. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Send me a message through the website. Send me a message on Facebook or just comment on any YouTube video. I read and respond to every single comment, at least as of now. Uh, you know, and will endeavor to do that no matter how big it gets as best as I'm able. 
So make sure you check out that resource and please help add to the knowledge base by asking questions or sending in ideas for new episodes. So let's jump into it. Bad turkey hunting habits. Guys, these are things, these seven items that I think save more turkeys' lives every year than anything else. It is the bad habits and the bad mistakes that turkey hunters make that enables turkeys to to see, to detect, to escape, to just know something's amiss. When if you can just stop and fix these seven bad habits... Um, you know, I, I believe your odds for success would increase significantly. So number one, bad timing. All right. Bad timing is a bad habit. A lot of turkey hunters do not have a good sense of timing. When do they need to get in the woods? So often it's too late or sometimes it's too early. You know, you've got guys that set up under a tree you know, two and a half hours before daylight. And then you might say, well, George, how could that be a disadvantage? How could that be a bad habit? How could getting in too early cost you turkeys? Well, I'm glad you asked. So here's the way that it goes down. Yes, if you get there four hours early, that's not going to hurt you and your chances of taking a bird that's within 150 yards that you're trying to call to you off the roost and shoot within 10 minutes of legal shooting hours will not hurt you in doing that. You can't be too early. Now, as long as that bird has gone to sleep for the night, you can't be too early. And that sounds great. And everybody says, yeah, got to get in earlier. Okay, well, here's what happens though. You get to your spot three hours early before daylight. You're sitting on the ground. You're sitting against the tree. Your rear end starts getting sore. You know, if that bird doesn't come down off that tree and come straight to you and end up over your shoulder on the way out of the woods within an hour, you can't sit there much longer. Whether you're just too sore, too stiff, it hurts, you're already worn out and it's only 7 a.m., or you get too cold, depending on what part of the season's in, you're just not able to maintain the composure and the stealth and the focus forever. And that first hour or two of the morning can be super productive, especially if you know birds are in the area. So what happens is people get in too early and then they're just wore out, tired, cold, stiff, sore, fidgety. You might not get up, but sometimes sitting there and fidgeting is worse. And that can blow up your hunt for that morning or for those birds. On the other side of the coin, people often go in too late. They get to their spot after dawn, after legal shooting light. After you can see from the trees who's walking around down there. People say, well, the birds haven't flown down yet. Yeah, and if they see you, they're not flying down towards you. You have put yourself on the bird's most wanted and most wary list. It's not going to work. You've got to get in early enough that if you're trying to get close to birds that are roosted that you know about, that you can be there before the first rays of dawn. So my rule of thumb is I want to be at my spot, seated, quiet, still, motionless, 
calm down. If I'm using decoys, the decoys are already set up at least 30 minutes before you can see. Now, legal shooting light is different in some states. I get it. In my state, it's, you know, most days legal shooting light comes, it's still too dark to even see. You, you know, unless a turkey walks into a clearing and you've got a full moon or some starlight and you can tell it has a beard, your ability to, to tell what kind of bird that is and shoot it is hindered on most days at legal shooting light. It can be that dark. In some states, legal shooting light is dialed back. It comes later. They purposely don't let you get started that early. And, you know, it, it can be a little while. So I'm not talking about how early to get in relative to legal shooting light. I'm talking about how early to get in from when you can see. Now, for me, that's legal shooting light. That's, that's a good barometer in my state. If it's legal shooting light, you can just barely see. But if you're in a state where it's not that way, you want to be done and seated and quiet 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes. The sweet spot is somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes. Any longer is too long. All right. Any, any, or any closer to the, or any shorter, excuse me, time period isn't long enough much of the time. Because as the, you know, the first rays of dawn start coming over the horizon, you can't even see them from in the woods, but they can see them from the trees. Birds are waking up. They may not be making noise yet, but they start waking up. And if they hear you or see you walking in, trying to get too close, and here's the thing, you may not even know they're there. You may not even know birds are roosted super close to you. But if you get in there too late and you spook those birds, you may have had a great chance that now has become a no chance because you just got in too late. A lot of times people like to hike in, you know, real far in the hills or the ridges or the mountains or whatever. Good, great, grand, wonderful, love it, want to do more of it myself. And they will get to, they'll park their car and get out at a great time, you know, an hour before daylight, but it's an hour hike to get to the spot they want to hunt. Or more. And I've run into this myself, right? I am telling you from experience. In fact, just last season, there was a day we went out on a real remote hunt. So this exact kind of situation. It's how I learned some of these things. And, you know, we got to the spot where we parked and got out of the car and got suited up. And great. We had a full hour. We had, you know, we're like, we're, we're running on great time. Well, we thought it would only take us 30 minutes to get to where I wanted to hunt. Yeah, well, it took 90 Right, so it was it was a half hour after daylight that we finally got there, which means we we missed any early gobbling. We missed the best chance we had at figuring out where birds were. Uh, it just it didn't go the way I wanted it to go because I didn't realize it was going to take that much time to get that deep into the woods. So you want to time it where you get to your spot and you have at least thirty minutes to let the woods quiet down and settle. If you can break this bad habit, you will really up your chances. And what this does, guys, is it puts you in a position where you can hear that gobble. It may only be one gobble that comes early in the morning, you know, right at first light. Most toms on most days will give you at least one gobble, sometimes only one gobble. And if you miss that window, it can be tough. And if you get in there too late and they see you or hear you or detect you, jig is up.
So number one habit on this list to break, bad timing. Number two, relying on decoys. It is a bad habit. It can cost you hunt after hunt. Now I'm not anti-decoy. I've done full episodes on this, so I'm not going to go into much detail right now. I believe decoys are helpful in certain situations for some hunters some of the time. I use a decoy, I don't know, maybe 20% of the time. And that's just because one of the spots that I hunt is a perfect scenario for decoys. So if I go there, I'm going to use the decoy. But almost nowhere else am I going to take or use a decoy except under very specific circumstances. And I have detailed that in entire episodes. Decoys are not bad, but I believe that especially with new hunters, they can cost you hunts because you're not sure the right time and place and scenario to use them. You don't have that, that experience and that sense and all of that going on. But here's the thing, relying on decoys... Not just overuse, but relying on them will cause you problems. Because there are, there are certainly scenarios where decoys are not ideal. And if you're trying to hunt a situation where a decoy is a liability, and the only way you know to hunt is with a decoy, and you're forcing that hunting style into the wrong situation, it is not going to go well for you most of the time. You cannot rely on decoys. You need to look at decoys just like another tool in your toolbox. Yep, might be good to use here, might be good to use certain times. And if you don't know when those times are, don't use them. Err on the side of not using them because most of the time, your odds are the same or better without a decoy. So if you can't look at a situation and a hunt plan and say, this is a great time to use a decoy, you shouldn't take a decoy. Because if you're not sure, chances are you're setting yourself up to have problems. And like I said, I did an entire episode on that. You can head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Go to the category about turkey hunting. You'll see every episode ever done on the subject. Organized by different topics and subject matter. So you can find what you're looking for. Go back and listen to that episode if you're interested in more. Number three, turkey hunting bad habit. Overcalling. This is one of the top bad habits that new hunters do. And unfortunately, it's a habit that seems to be a lifelong bad habit much of the time. People just love to call. They want to call and call more and just keep calling. And you don't have to be in the woods long, guys, to realize real turkeys don't do that. Okay? They don't. Real hens do not just sit in a spot and call every five minutes for four hours. They do not do that. And really the only chance you're going to have in an overcalling scenario is if you have toms far away that are just coming into the area, they're moving from one place to another, and they just get within earshot of your calling, catch the first one, and then they come on in to see what's going on. In most other situations and scenarios, it is not going to help you. In fact, it's going to hurt you. All right, turkeys just know it's not realistic. How often should you call? This is a subject I've talked about in the past, will more in the future at depth. But the, the, the best answer I can give is it depends on the situation. If you have a lot of other hens around you calling, 
then you want to call as much, maybe more, than those other hens. If the woods are quiet and no hens are making a noise and you're calling every five minutes, that's going to stand out like a sore thumb. So you need to let the situation tell you. But even those hens that are going crazy, calling constantly, they're not doing that for hours. They might do that for 20 minutes on a long day, right? Or, or it may be sporadic. You need to have a sense of the temperament for the area and the day of what's going on. And don't call so much that you stand out or out of place. All right. And you can rotate your calls. You can move around a little bit, call from different spots at different times. There's things you can do to, to help that, to make it more realistic. But when I hear a call every five minutes and it, you know we get to the second hour, I'm like, I'm getting out of here because there's another hunter here who has just become a turkey repellent and I need to get out of here and get away from this guy because no turkey's going to come close enough to, for me to do anything with this. I'm not, I'm not sitting there worried going, Oh no, all the turkeys are going to go to him. I'm worried. Oh no, all the turkeys are going to get as far away from here as they can because they know it's a hunter. Do not overcall. When in doubt, a good rule of thumb is every 15 minutes for the first half hour or hour of the day, depending on activity, then every half hour after that. Maybe even every 45 minutes as the morning goes on. But that you can't just apply that across the board. It doesn't work that way. You have to let the scenario and what's happening around you and your experience tell you. But if you don't know how to read that and you don't have any experience, you could start with that rule of thumb. Um, so number four, turkey hunting bad habit, calling too loud. Okay, there's a time for loud calling. There's a time to call so loud you shake the trees. But that time is not every hunt. And it is not all of every hunt. It is occasional. It is strategic. It's intentional. You are better off soft calling than calling too loud. All right, because super loud calling is going to sound out of place in a lot of situations. Now, there are times where calling loud is helpful. Okay, you're trying to locate turkeys at a distance. You're trying to reach a turkey who's real far away and, and get into his ears. And you may, you may let out some real loud calls. You may get out the box call, just just let loose on that thing. You know, there's all sorts of different things you might do. You get one of those nice modern glass calls that, and in fact, they're really not even made of glass anymore, all sorts of fancy polymers. But you just, you can just crank out some extreme volume to try to get turkeys that are several hundred yards away to hear you and know that you're there. And then once you got their attention, once you got something starting to move, once you have something in your area, you back off that. You don't just keep calling at that same crazy volume, all right? It's occasional. Or if you're fighting and competing with another hen or a group of hens for a Tom's attention, you know, you may have to just throw everything you've got at it, pull every call out of your bag and try to sound like an entire flock of turkeys that's louder and, and more passionate than the other and the real ones are. There's times for that. But most of the time, a little soft calling, a little average calling, some more soft calling, that's going to do you better. Calling too loud, just like overcalling, will give you away that you're not a real turkey, that something here's not right, and then it just sounds fishy. 
Number five, turkey hunting bad habit, not scouting. So you're going to get up at early in the morning. You're going to head into the woods at early 30. You're going to go where? Where are you going to go? Why do you think there's turkeys there? Why have you woken up at three in the morning to drive and park and hike into the woods to get into a spot and, and be there by, by 4.30 or 5 or whatever the case may be? Why? Why would you go there? Of all the places in the woods, why would you go to that spot? Now, it could be you're brand new. You've never gone out before. You only know about one spot, okay? <laughs> Stuff like that happens, right? I can't say don't go, but why do you think there's turkeys wherever you're going to go? You need to scout. You have to have a reason to believe that there's birds in that area. Just because you think to yourself, oh, that's a good place for turkeys, that's not enough. That's not enough. You need to have more than that to go on if you want to have reasonable chances of success when you walk into the woods. You got to try to find sign. If you don't have trail cameras, if you're on public land, fine, great. Turkeys have a wonderful thing that helps hunters. It's called footprints. They're heavy. They've got real thin feet. They leave nice little footprints that are easy to identify. Almost nothing is more easier to identify than a deer track and a turkey track. It's perfect. You look for the soft ground. Look for crossings over streams and creeks. Look for places where footprints would be left. Look for deer footprints. Find the places where deer footprints are left and look for turkey tracks. If nothing else, there's all sorts of different kind of sign done episodes on scouting for turkey, but you gotta have a reason to think there's gonna be turkeys there. Otherwise, if you don't hear anything at first light and you start walking out of the woods at seven o'clock because you don't have any reason to think you might be successful. You got to have something to believe, right? I, I've got evidence that tells me there's turkeys in this area. Maybe I don't know what time of the day they're there. Maybe they roost there. Maybe they, maybe they show up around 10 o'clock, but I know there's turkeys around here. So I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to adjust my plan and my strategy as I go. Cause I know they're around. It gives you hope. And that also gives you success. So you got to scout. Number seven, turkey hunting bad habit. Excuse me, number six. Number six, bad habit. Not testing your gear. You gotta test your gear. You gotta know what your gear is gonna do before you go into the woods. You know, this counts for your boots. This counts for turkey pack, um, turkey vest, whatever you might have. Under, er, excuse me, thermal base layers. Whatever you're wearing, whatever the conditions make sure you test it all right the time to find out your brand new turkey coat that you got doesn't fit is not when you get to your spot and get out of the truck and go to put it on then you go oh no what do i do now you don't put your boots on for the first time before you go on a 10 mile hike to hunt turkeys on foot all day you can have major foot problems even if they do fit good you got to break your boots in you got to test your gear put it on go scouting do something else go crow hunting get out into the woods and test your gear get outside test your gear walk around that at least put it on in the house and walk around now the big one here maybe the biggest is testing your gun okay every shotgun choke 
and shotgun shell is going to behave a little differently. You and I may have the exact same shotgun. We may have the exact same choke. We may have the exact same shells, but yours may pattern different than mine patterns. There's so much nuance to it. You've got to test what you have and you need to test it at the ranges you plan to hunt. All right, if you're shooting, I don't care if you're shooting target loads, seven and a half shot, great, fine. It's the right thing for some people. Get out there, sit down, take some shots at paper, get yourself some, some big paper, some big cardboard, take a shot at 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards. And look at that pattern and think to yourself, okay, is this, a, is this enough pellet density to hit a turkey's brain or spinal cord guaranteed every shot? You're like, well, you know, probably not. Probably not at 40 yards if you're shooting target loads. Great. Then don't shoot further than 30 yards. I've told the story before. One of the greatest turkey hunting legends that I know of author he's written multiple books on the subject right now he's working on his 50 years of turkey hunting book he says for the last 45 turkeys that he shot he has only used winchester double a two and three quarter inch seven and a half bird shot but he never shoots further than 30 yards and he's at a hundred percent kill rate for the last 40 some turkeys but he never takes a longer shot. He knows what that round is capable of. He's had some shoulder injuries and other issues in his life. So for him, big cartridges are just no fun anymore. And using target loads, he's got a 100% success rate, but he knows his distance. He knows how his gun is going to shoot that and how much power that's going to have. And he knows how close the bird needs to be. If you're shooting big, high-end, expensive turkey shells, great. Not against it. I'd do it. But test it. How does this pattern at 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards, even do a 50-yard test and figure out what does my gun do with that load and that ch- and the choke that I'm using. And you'll find out with just a few pieces of cardboard and a couple shells what ranges you can be effective at. And does your gun pattern high, low, left, Right. I have stood at the sporting goods store and watched a guy come in and flip out on the clerk and tell him this shotgun that he sold him is a piece of garbage and it doesn't work. And he missed a turkey at 35 yards and the gun's broken. It just doesn't work. Well, I'm sitting there. I'm like, really? The gun's broken? But the clerk, apparently it was not the first time he'd been yelled at by a guy that missed a turkey. Instead of, you know, questioning the guy's ability to shoot, which is my first thought. Instead of questioning the guy's practice, which is my second thought. He says, well, have you patterned the gun on paper? Do you know where the pattern is and how dense the pattern is at the different ranges you plan to hunt? Have you tested that? And the guy was, he was kind of confused, kind of caught off guard kind of kind of disarmed him he still wanted to be mad but he was at a loss for words and he was he was just like well uh and and the clerk was like look you every gun every choke shoots differently with every shell you know you may have missed that turkey at 35 yards because your gun shoots six inches high or to the left maybe the gun is broken 
Maybe it shoots three feet to the left at 30 yards, but you'll never know it and you'll miss every turkey you shoot at and not be able to figure out why until you go to the range and you shoot at some paper. And you may say, hey, this choke is not is not doing what I want it to do or this load's not doing what I want it to do. You know, if you're shooting high-end, super-performance tungsten shot and after 30 yards, your pattern is so is so spread out then you know... A turkey could fly through it and still not get hit. You might say, hey, we need to we need to fix something here. This choke may not be working good for this. You know, this gun might not be good. Or maybe this load isn't good. Maybe I got a bad box. Who knows? But you got to test what you're going to shoot before you shoot it. So you can have confidence, number one, if I aim here, I will hit the turkey. And two, if I shoot at this distance, enough pellets are going to make it downfield to hit that turkey. This happens all the time. People don't test. They don't shoot. They don't know how their gun even works. They get a new gun, never shot it before, take it into the turkey woods, miss a boss tom, and what do you do? You just, you don't, you don't, know, how to, don't know how to rack the slide or you short stroked it and, and weren't able to get a follow-up shot because you didn't practice. Got to test. Got to pattern. Got to figure out. You know, there, you also need to think about you could have too much choke. You know, some of the new modern loads and modern chokes can be so tight that at 25 yards, you know, maybe you've only got like a four inch circle, which means that if a bird comes that close, you're more likely to miss than hit him because the the, the circle is so tight that if you're off, even by the slightest bit on your aim, it's almost like you're shooting a rifle. Might be great at 50 yards. Amazing. But at 25, it could be too tight to hit a turkey. But you need to know that before you get into the woods so, A, you don't let them get that close because you know you can't shoot them that close. Or, B, then if he does get that close, you let him get a little further before you take the shot so you've got a better chance to hit him. Or you just work really good at aiming and you practice and you get that down so you can make that shot. You got to test your gear. Number seven, turkey hunting bad habit, which I think is probably the single most important of all of them. And that is you're not being stealthy enough. You're not being stealthy enough. Now, this is a big one. Let me jump into it. But first, let me ask you guys, please head to iTunes, leave a review. Five-star reviews with comments are the number one way to affect the algorithm and to help get this show to more people. I don't need the positive reinforcement. Uh, I I do not. It's not an issue for me. I really don't even care most of the time about stuff like that. But it helps the show grow and get these things out to more people. So you're not being stealthy enough. All right. What do you do? What does that mean? Well, most turkeys spook if they see or hear a person, a human. Bad calling is one thing. Over calling is another thing. Calling too loud is something else. There are times you can get away with that. They figure out, they see a human, they hear you talking, they see you walking through the woods, it's over. It is game over. Stealth is probably the single most overlooked attribute of turkey hunting. People are just not being quiet enough. They're not quiet enough when they slip into a spot. They're not still enough sitting there. They've not blended themselves into to the right kind of spot. They're not at a right tree. They don't have good back cover. 
They're, they're not thinking about trying to stay still and not moving. So much of the time, if you just sit there motionless, doing nothing, you will get chances on turkeys that you would have never seen otherwise. They would have, you would have never known they were going to be there. Some people say, well, you can hear a turkey coming. Shenanigans. I say shenanigans. I have sat there. And I mean to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and see if I can take a nap because I'm so tired because I've been getting up too early too many times. Sit there for an hour just utterly and completely motionless. No calling, no movement, no nothing. And then seen a turkey just walk out of nowhere, materialized out of thin air, crossed in front of me, next to the decoy, within a couple feet of the decoy, looked at the decoy, looked around, and just ghosted into the woods, never made a sound. So, so he, was, he was, or she was a hen, that's why I didn't shoot it, it was probably 15, 20 yards away, never made a sound didn't rustle a leaf it was a dry day there was even a little wind the ground was crunchy the turkey was an utter and complete ghost had i not sat i mean my fitbit fitbit registered a nap even though i never fell asleep i was that still for that long but be if i had have been moving if i had have been fidgeting i would have never known that bird was anywhere near and had it been a tom it would have been on my wall all right, so you got to be still. You got to be quiet. Getting into your spot. Most people are just too loud walking in. They're trying to go too fast. Maybe you need to go fast if you're going a couple miles deep. But you get within a few hundred yards of where you plan the hunt. You never know. You could walk right under a turkey. You don't want to alert them. You need to really slow down, take your time, be methodical. People say, well, the turkeys are asleep. They don't know you're there. You don't know they're asleep. And you don't know what it takes to wake them up. They can wake up much earlier than you think. And their wake up is not evidenced by a call. They, they may just be sitting there, lounging, waiting, doing whatever. The wind could wake them up. So you need to try to ghost into the woods. You need to be as quiet and as silent. You get within a few hundred yards of where you plan the hunt. Not because that bird can hear you a few hundred yards away, because you could walk right under the birds that are roosted that you don't even know about, and you could blow up that opportunity by just being too loud. So when I start to get close to the area I want, I've got three speeds when I walk into the woods, okay? I have three speeds. Speed number one is full speed. That doesn't necessarily mean a run, but it means I'm, I'm taking no caution and no precaution to be quiet. Uh, and I'm moving at the fastest, comfortable pace for how dressed I am to get to where I need to go. Speed number two is caution. All right, we're slowing down, you know, 50% speed. We're trying to be quiet. We're trying to not alert anything nearby, but we still know we need to cover some distance yet. And then the third speed is utter and complete stealth. Going as quiet as we can as still as we can, trying to sneak up on a turkey, all right, and, and catch him off guard if he's standing on the ground. Okay, it's the same speed. You're going as quiet as you can. You're watching every stick. You're not trying to rustle a thing. You're trying to make zero noise whatsoever. 
It's the speed where you may put a foot down and you feel a stick and you that, pull that foot back up and put it somewhere else looking for a safer place to put it down. Same speed I use if I'm trying to sneak up on a deer or sneak up on a duck. Like, but it's dark and the turkeys are in the trees. Yeah, that speed is necessary at times. When you get to within the last little bit of distance to your spot, then I'll slow down to, to that speed and just try to disappear into the woods. And oftentimes, if you're getting up and moving, you need a lot of people, a lot of new hunters, they don't have that speed. It's not on their dial. They have full speed and they have a little bit quieter and slower. They, they don't even have access to the other two yet. It takes, it takes experience and intentionality to be able to get quieter and slower and stealthier. And there's no shame in not being there yet. There's no shame in having not gotten to that point yet. You just have to realize, I need to work on this. I need to intentionally focus on this, on not being seen and not being heard and walking quieter. The only way you get better is by doing it. You know, if you're going out for your first hunt, all you can do is try your best. But by hunt five, six, or seven, you will have improved a significant amount. By season two or three, you will have improved a lot more, but only if you intentionally work on this, if you focus on it. You know, when you, turkeys, turkey hunting can be hard to develop this skill only because you don't typically sneak up on a turkey. Deer hunting, you may see a deer and may need to sneak up on that deer or sneak up to get into range to take a shot, regardless of what you're hunting with. Duck hunting, waterfowl hunting, you may need to sneak up on a duck in a pond. You may need to just do everything you can do to try to quietly and stealthily get within range of, of that animal without alerting them to your presence. And a wrong new move, a little too much noise, moving a little too quick, a little too flashy, a little too much color can alert and set that animal off. And you learn, oh man, next time I got to do better. You don't have that in turkey hunting. So if you're only hunting turkeys or you're new to hunting turkeys, you, you, you have no reason to develop that skill to sneak up on and stalk the animal like you might a different kind of hunting. So you have to intentionally develop it. At times you have to move and think like that. Now there are times where if you and the other turkey have a visual barrier, the bird's on the ground, you're on the ground, you're calling, he's calling, you can get away with walking. You can get away with making just the lightest bit of noise because that turkey thinks you're a turkey and turkeys can and do often make noise when they walk, just not always, but they can and do make noise. So you can move some and make a little walking noise, slow measured steps. You don't want to sound like a human. You're trying to trick that bird into thinking you're a turkey while well, you reposition. You know, maybe you're sitting up against a tree looking east and that bird gets close to you on the west and you need to move before it gets in range. So you're on the right side of the tree or you've got good back cover. You can get away with a little bit of that because when that turkey thinks you're a turkey, then they expect to hear some noise. But when you're trying to walk into a spot and the turkey's in the trees and it's not even bright enough yet for fly down, they know you're not a tree and there's not much down there that they feel happy about flying down to if they can't see it, if they've heard something. Okay, deer, they're not worried about deer, 
but there are lots of predators out there that they don't want to fly into, you know, a pack of coyotes or something like that. So you got to be careful and stealthy. I hope this is helpful for you guys. Head to the website, check us out on iTunes, go to YouTube, do everything. Just get involved, learn everything you can learn, get everything you can get, and get out there into the woods and have some time, some fun. So till next time, God bless you guys, and go get them in the woods. Bye.